Salutations all from snowy Oslo and welcome back to Sofa Stories, a show about the making of this Norwegian experimental label's latest albums. I'm Jennifer, and I'd like to start off our discussion of this episode's featured album with a little brain tickler. What is the sound of power? I don't mean political power or the mystical, magical power of something like love, but power in the purely physical sense, the alternating electrical currents that course through our household infrastructure and allow you to make your grandmother's famous baked ziti. In Europe and most of the rest of the world, that current is maintained at a frequency of 50 hertz, which actually has a specific sound. I'll play it for you here, but do turn down your headphones beforehand because the sound can be kind of obliterating. If you're in North America and Northern South America, that frequency is maintained at 60 Hertz. And there's a weird history of why that difference exists that I'll leave you all to suss out after the show. The reason for why the currents sound like this is on account of a bunch of engineering decisions made in the 19th century, when electrical technology was being standardized. The engines providing electricity turn out to work pretty efficiently at a speed of 50 hertz. It's important to note, however, that that frequency isn't consistent. 50 hertz is just what it is most of the time. Our electrical systems work by maintaining a balance between electricity generated to electricity consumed. And throughout the day, those needs are constantly shifting. In the morning, when everyone takes a shower, or around dinner time, when you've got the oven on blast trying to make some elaborate, probably doomed casserole, I'm definitely not projecting the results of this past Thursday's dinner attempt. And so, uh, this balance between electrical supply and demand is constantly being adjusted in real time in a system that's called the power market. It's not something that you might ordinarily be able to hear, this power market, and yet it's the reason that most of us can do anything. And so, the sound and installation artist Oystein Weiler Udden had a pretty interesting idea a while back, which is to say, what if we did translate that ordinarily very quiet balance into something that a lot of people can access? And then, in collaboration with the composer Jan Martin Smirdal, what if we handed that creation over to a string octet and something called a self-resonating piano, a piano that nobody's actually sitting down to play, but that has been manipulated to resonate at that famous 50 hertz? The result is the album Kraft Balance, which translates into Power Balance in Norwegian. The album was released on Sofa this past October, and here's a bit of what it sounds like. I'm reminded of a famous commencement speech by the author David Foster Wallace called This is Water, in which he starts off describing a fable involving a few fish, 
One of the fish asks, how's the water? And another fish later asks, what the hell is water? As Wallace describes, the point of the fish story is merely that the most obvious, important realities are often the ones that are the hardest to see and talk about. And so by helping us tune into this surreptitious current that connects us all, we're getting a real sense of what that water, so to speak, feels like, though I guess also that technically electricity and water shouldn't mix. A unique quality of this recording is that if you mosey on over to listen to the whole thing, you'll notice that it starts and ends totally abruptly, for reasons that I'll let both of the artists explain in the interview. Just a bit about them both, as they're individually both bright stars. Jan Martin is the recent recipient of Norway's 2022 Arne Nordheim Prize in Composition. He has a background in improvisation, jazz, and avant-pop bands, and has music for groups in all sorts of different instrumentations and configurations. He's also a musician and a co-founder and member of Ensemble Neon. Oystein has presented works at the Oslo Biennial and in solo and group exhibitions at art institutions around Norway and beyond, and Craft Balance originates in a number of related projects that he's completed, which I'll let him talk about in his own words momentarily. I'm so glad that he and Jan Martin were able to join me in the Sofa office for a discussion of this fascinating album. ask you about some of the seeds of your interest in topics like the power market and a way into this perhaps um, was late in 2017 when I read that you had started working on this ongoing related composition called Mains Hum, which uh, entails nine compositions for pipe organ recorded in nine churches throughout the center of Oslo. Uh, and as you've described, the writing process entails analyzing and transcribing the sound alongside the sound of the specific electricity. And so the electricity joins forces with the churches on the recorded album. Uh, and so craft balance is kind of part of this, uh, I guess, this continuum of uh, your interest um, alongside another work that's called Powerline Hum in 2019 or excuse me, 2018. Um, and I found the ideas at play here to be quite striking because you're using musical sounds to help people directly confront sounds that they otherwise would uh, would not acknowledge. And in certain cases, this sort of this hum, as uh, I've been reading about it, uh, it seems that in many audio recording circumstances, it's actually um, considered a nuisance to be removed. So you're kind of asking people to confront in this uh, kind of blistering way the, this invisible force that actually kind of determines the extent of their literal connectivity with other people. So this is all very riveting to me. And I thought uh, I was wondering if you could talk about what began this interest for you. In my previous work, I've worked a lot with different types of technology. And um, the main method has been kind of stripping away all content and trying to find the underlying structure of the technology. 
And as a baseline or a bedrock for that is the electrical grid. So it's it feels like a natural way into uh, this as an um, a source material for for work because it's in a way just very mundane uh, uh, sound or a sound of like everyday uh, surroundings like your fridge or your lights or whatever and it's a sound we take for granted so much that it's kind of is part of the silence that we're used to it's interesting with the the things we take for granted in technology that feels like they've been there forever um the this different projects are kind of different way ways to elaborate on this to main topic the church series is more maybe taking this silence aspect of it the simple way of putting it is kind of performing the uh, main tone of the building on its on the building as an instrument but those pieces doesn't really deal with the fluctuations in the sound because it that's the the, the main uh, idea behind craft balance is that um that this frequency of 50 hertz isn't 50 hertz it's it uh, fluctuates um up and down around it and that's how i kind of went into that aspect of that sound and uh, first i did just um, the pi a piano version where i tuned the um, piano in 50 hertz and the overtones of 50 hertz all the strings and i um, fitted it with the um, uh, transducers or they're called bass pumps like vi vibrational <laughs> yeah. elements yeah. or rump shakers so uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i just uh, attached them to the electrical grid so the the piano was resonating with the um, fluctuations in the market so the sound was altering all the time and then i approached Jan martin because i uh, thought it was interesting to have this um piano as a solist in a way for a more elaborate orchestra version yeah so hanne borkvink a painter that made a triptych or a, 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 yeah. a woodcut uh, woodcut triptych that she invited different musicians and composers to um translate into music and um, she invited me on one, uh, one side and Martin on the other. And you also had some kind of... Um, I was some kind of producer on that record also. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, uh, this, this exhibition was um, these three big woodcuts. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same woodcut, but where the house is gradually getting darker. If you see it as a narrative. Or uh, lighter. <laughs> um, and she also made a whole lot of small ones like echoes of the big ones it was actually 100 100 small echoes of this which all were unique yeah and for that uh, i did one of my first church uh, versions of this main some series and Jan martin did something with the guitars that was kind of formally related uh, yeah it's more formally related i made a piece called the three guitars which you guessed it was three guitars uh recorded i recorded uh, dubbed myself with the ebo 
with a low register on Ebo and a tabletop acoustic guitar, which was so, almost sounds like three uh, sign tones, almost. Yeah, which were shaping and for me was relating to the images. Yeah, and uh, I guess um, that was where I first met Jan Martin, and then later I approached you a couple of times asking if you had some ideas for uh, accompanying uh, my, my openings uh, and yeah. uh, it was uh, autumn 2018 I think where I got invited to do a project for uh, Oslo Biennale an art festival in Oslo and I proposed for them this orchestra version of the my piano piece and I approached Jan Martin asked if he wants to collaborate on the score for that or also the like the development. And I find that actually quite interesting also. I mean the if uh, to be a bit uh, crude is like the art world uh, the, and the music world to be very uh, <laughs> not fine grainy <laughs> at all about it, but it's uh if if that what you think yeah. thought about yeah. It's uh it's quite different and I've find we merged it in a very nice way i find i was very happy with the outcome yeah. of that collaboration on on this especially on this record So I was curious about how the project between you two ha um, had originated in this prior version of Craft Balance, which I saw some of the documentation for, and it's just this extremely only looking elderly piano. Oh, that's that's how it appeared to me at any rate, just kind of in the middle of a gallery space. And it's it seems to be your departure uh, from, of course, the most much more populated version that you created for your collaboration. So I was wondering if you could both reflect on how the project has expanded. 
think uh, Oystein will also better on that uh, because it was initially his project. But uh, I think uh, the main idea was, as you told, uh, bring the piano as a soloist for something. And I believe the initial idea was something, had something to do with creating some kind of uh, archetypical uh, classical setting, uh, bringing the piano in front like uh, as if it was a concerto uh, so to say i think that was the initial idea even though oh, sorry uh, to be clear you mean the piano itself and not a pianist right so yes. no pianist the pianist was the bass pumps <laughs> and the electrical <laughs> yes, grid uh, but uh, yeah i was also um my idea was um also very visual so uh, I, I wanted this image that you see in the recording also uh, of this um, kind of conventional orchestra accompanying this uh, self-playing piano. And, um, and also maybe my sketches for how it was uh, supposed to be solved in the musical. It was... Uh, also very visual <laughs> catchers yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my 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 ideas for how uh, uh the score could look what well, look like dream catchers so i was going to say uh, that there's a whole like new age element that you could really exploit here oh, yeah. there's a possibility yeah. it's in here you just have to scratch here and smell oh, on the, yeah. Right? yeah 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 it smells like uh, uh electrical circuits yeah, <laughs> yeah. now um, even though that was a start for how the uh, how the, the, your visual idea of the score made uh made like uh it was an arrow into what it became yeah. actually uh, sounding it gave me uh, some ideas and you had some clear thoughts about the overtones and stuff and then we it was like a ping pong and we mm. We found some kind of solution after after a while. It was quite a lot of ping ponging. Can you talk a bit about how you settled on the specific instrumentation for this? Oh, oh we <laughs> thought I a remember, lot about it. Uh, I was uh, um, not especially the instrumentation, but how they play. I was kind of um, stubborn on the yeah. uh, that I wanted them to play in a conventional fashion. And not with uh, electrical toothbrush or, uh, or or what you call it, this uh, rubber balls. And uh, yeah, like I don't, didn't want to move it into the the trope of contemporary music. I wanted it to look like classical music, uh, look conventional, and also that it played. But conventional in that's more the technical yeah, side yeah. of it. Because uh, I have to say, because we also worked a lot together with the with the performers, bringing them. F- out of the uh, typical like uh, bringing the music forth because this has no beginning or ending so they play in like uh, they're so to say a setting of individual instruments also Uh, and therefore they're like the bowing is individual and they don't like bring it together so as as a classical musician you might miss you, you want to hear like how they form the uh, form the chords together and that's what you like you the inner musician wants to hear but uh, we worked in the opposite direction we didn't want to want that so yeah so the I- individual body of the individual player yes. determined the length of the stroke and uh, and yes. when to put on the next note mm. because that was also part of the mm instructions was to play out your stroke before you change before you take a new reading on the of the current and you change 
Well, well, that was a related question I had, which is, can you describe the instruction score that you created? Yes. So I can put it. It's not very like complicated if you see it. Uh, it's um, it's quite simple, but um, I'll try to make it even simpler here. <laughs> so it's um, you can. Yeah, from this, uh, the dream catches, sketches, Jan Martin de developed it into a very beautiful and s very simple score where there is no um, beginning or end. It, it's related to the middle. The middle is where the um, electrical grid is uh, uh, hitting the 50 hertz. And then if you, if it goes below, you go left on the score. And when you go, when it goes above, you go right on the score. So you have the decimals, like uh, in the middle is 50.00, and then uh, on the left side it begins with like 49.99, and then so forth, like a measure, yeah. and, the, and the other way, 50.01. So it's balancing, It's that's the whole point, that yeah. it's a, a balance. It's important to say the it's a scordatura for the strings also, to match the 50 hertz also, so it's uh, quite off G, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm curious about this concept of a self-resonating piano, since I know about, you know, like, like auto or player pianos, but this is slightly different. I was curious about how you decided on this instrument. And I have a feeling maybe that has to do with these conventions or classical conventions that you were talking about, because it is kind of, you know, a very large instrument to be configuring in this way. You could have picked a self-resonating kazoo, although that would be, um, that would slightly change the, the demographic for this to fifth graders. Also, at any rate, if you could kind of talk about how you picked this instrument. The first time I did it was with a upright piano, and um, also the second. I I did some exhibitions around, like outside Oslo. Then the strategy was just to get a piano there because it was hard to move them. So the kind of uh, the visual aspect came second after as a practical. But for this, I wanted a, a grand piano. Uh, and it, it, I also used it, the grand piano for a show before the same one. And it had some, it sounded a lot different. I had some, it was more unstable when it was, when the strings were lying for some reason. But that was uh, the one we used for this recording. But when we did the concert, we did it again with the upright piano. The, the grand piano part was uh, the visual, uh, that I wanted the visual image of it. It's the regular concerto uh, piano. Yeah, it's quite an impression seeing the strings and the piano yeah. in the middle. And it's also quite, then you can go close and see the strings actually moving. And But the sound was more intense on the upright piano. So for the concert we played at Ultima, also in the city hall, uh, it was, the piano was even more um, framtredende. Also present in the in the sound yeah yeah well at least from a kind of significance perspective i think that even between the upright and the grand there's a lot of different connotations that we associate with looking at both those instruments like one it has kind of traditionally like a practice home instrument versus the other which is more like a display like a, a spectacular concerto instrument so it's interesting to me to see that there's all these kind of different um, visual interpretations that you can assign to these different visions
course it's connecting to I mean every people connected to the electric grid I mean it's uh, it's quite obvious uh, we, we can we can hear we can feel we can uh, dive into like the sum of uh, the, all people's consumption <laughs> and and doings so of all sorts and that's very interesting for me just as an idea also and this is one of several several ways of um, I, I really like to say visualize it but it's not a visualization but it's it's very like tactile this kind of music so it has something with the the other senses too <laughs> other than the hearing sense and really get to touch into these uh, uh, rights or what you're going to want to call it. Uh, like uh, people are doing a lot of the same things at the same time, and we can and we can feel that on the uh, potentiometer or what you call now the voltmeter. I mean, uh, when 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 you when we played it also. I mean, especially uh, when they do this at the uh, startnet when they check every hour like whether they need to buy more electricity or sell more yeah. and then this it happens this beige big change time when we played it was significant because we wanted wanted an hour shift in the composition and because at the hour shift it happens a lot in the frequency because that's where they adjust production to uh, um, consume we got, yeah. i think we started like Oh, I don't remember quite the, like ten or fifteen to yeah. and like a, a an hour, and then they continue playing for like almost eighty minutes, I think. So we got like uh, I think we got yet another. Uh, so I think it was exactly two hour shifts, or what you call it, and it's huge, huge difference, and it's really interesting. And also hearing the almost stabilizing effect like on the other side of the hour but it's always fluctuating and if there's something happening like it should be like if there's some big events happening live on either on tv or something or everyone wants to make talk or everyone's uh, you know all this comes runs through it so that's quite interesting we are doing we not only we but i mean artists are creating things or 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 happening but in this instance this is a thing and uh, yeah you can uh, we're doing a thing out of time so definitely yeah and i think also this is a way in a way reflected at the end of the composition which i uh, i went to so many different like i went to spotify and youtube and bandcamp trying to find if there had been a mistake made initially because it just kind of cuts off and you're like and you're like excuse me <laughs> that was what's that was the point also yeah. i mean it's, it's to overemphasize the idea that this is scissored a scissored object in time created like this and and not not like a musical piece in the sense that we have a beginning a mid phase and then an uh, ending it's not like that so and it was also hard to do because it, it, yeah. when when it started uh, or when we started recording we just we started the piano and then the strings came in and uh, it's the same in the ending they the strings stopped and the piano continued and that was very nice but uh, conceptually it didn't work <laughs> Because it then it gets a start and then it gets an ending and then the the thing uh, with it being conceptually endless or as uh, continuing as long as we have an electrical grid, and uh, it would kind of um, pull the rug out under that. Yeah. Yeah, 
it's quite important. It's uh, it's that suddenly it started and then hard. It's just cut off. It has to be sister. It was like the only uh, way to do it. I think it is uh, really quite striking. I was uh, kind of imagining that what would the post-apocalyptic version of of a piece like this be? You know, if we were to kind of come up with a world in which we had torched the electric grid, like, is there a way to kind of compose or play music like this? Basically, do you have an answer to how we'll survive the apocalypse, basically? (laughs) Then this piece will get very boring because we we need, like, a a producer with clean uh, 50 hertz uh, sign. You can use diesel for that, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's the underground version. It's the Mad Max version. Maybe that's, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because when you talk about it, you you sometimes like you do you both hint at this kind of like as long as there's an electrical grid. And I had you know, I don't generally wake up worrying about the electrical grid, but now I am. So no one uh, does. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's the part of uh, working with this bedrock or the uh, things that we take for granted and do our activities upon in a way. When I read about this frequency, so it, when it was first introduced it was arbitrary uh, or it had some reasons for electrical motors back in the day it wanted a low frequency or it ran ran on a low frequency but if the frequency was f- too low then the lights would start to blink or we would see the flicker because they're actually flickering but we don't see that you could so see it actually uh, back in the days like in the uh, 20s and stuff uh, yeah, it was uh, with, with the poor people they had the half of the frequency actually so they had, so they had flickering light. lights yeah. and the rich people had the stable lights actually that's true true story but I, I like the fact that it's a kind of a compromise between uh, machine and humans in a way and but then all the electrical infrastructure was built around that and there was no question of changing it so it, they just had to keep that note and they had been doing that for a hundred years and I think that's kind of funny in a way that they had to they started that and then everything was built around it and then they just had to keep it up and it's like 1200 people working with keeping that note stable in Norway right now and that's also um, we should make a choir out of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Startnet choir. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and actually, also Startnet uh, was uh, a sponsor for this uh, recording. I also, I guess, this is perhaps um, a good way into another question that I had reading some articles about uh, about you surrounding the Arn concert, uh, Porsche concert, which I intended and which uh, was super. Uh, and I learned then that you have this interest in Norway's national public warning system, uh, which I can describe for the for the audience as uh, uh, um, 1,250 sirens around the country that are tested twice a year at noon on the second Wednesday in January and June. I found a really horrifying recording of this on YouTube that we could maybe um, insert uh, into uh, into the show after the fact. And so um, 
the one of the writers uh, in this pamphlet described this as a regular occurrence of normalized mass sonic art that in this article you also you were saying uh, jokingly was like an impetus for how composers and other artists might be venturing into experimental sound. And so I guess it sort of uh, seems to me uh, that it speaks to this general interest about sounds and frequencies that originate in these practical or bureaucratic purposes, but then have this sort of unintentional or unwitting artistic afterlife, especially in a project like this. So I was wondering if perhaps both of you guys could speak to that interest in this, um, I guess, these sound with practical origins. I have a lot to say about this warning system. I think you also, because this is a recurring theme among us, oh. yeah, talking about that. I think uh, the interest for that uh, alarm test has developed on, <laughs> on uh, both sides. And we spoke about doing something about it uh, at at some point. We have some very secret plans. But uh, yeah, I, I think this, uh, I'm fascinated by this, uh, as you call it, uh, bureaucratic. Uh, it's, it's some interesting sides to it relating to the, um, the shutdown of the radio in Norway also because this message usually was called uh, important message listen to radio but now it's uh important message seek information uh, <laughs> because we don't have any radio anymore <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's a, just a nice thing to say to people yeah. every year seek You're information all... yeah, i mean all the time <laughs> no I, I i mean uh, i still get the goosebumps from this i've probably said that in some kind of some interview but uh yeah it's uh i'm not i'm not alone with that, I think um, a lot of uh, sound interested people are feel the same way. It's, I mean, it's uh, really it's a, it's a little sound diamond we get to experience each year. You can just go outside at the minute we hear it at twelve o'clock, and you can just go out, and it's different each time because of the reflections and the landscape. And I mean, it's the best uh, land art ever. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I get very happy talking about it. It's it's a it's a strange thing. I can't like imagine why they keep on doing it, but I really love the fact that they do that. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it just kind of seems almost like the the B side to this in a this interest in a way because that you know, of course you know this is not this is based on sounds that we don't typically tune into and that this uh, alarm is unavoidable, but they are kind of uh, reflections of like the processes around which we structure our lives. Uh, and I, for this reason, yeah, I find this like kind of what you were saying before, like the the, the, the granularity of it and the tactile nature of the sound to be very, um, uh, yeah, just like illuminating about like the way that we go kind of go about our lives very unconsciously. Yeah, and it's also, yeah, it's just the sound of critical infrastructure, but Maybe this uh, alarm sound it has more disaster-like uh, connotations, and it's also both that and this project is is strange how they have changed the last year, I think, because uh, in like the before it was war in Europe, it uh, the idea of working with this alarm had another. Uh, feeling to it for me personally than now because it's uh, now it's a, a lot more irrelevant it's kind of y using this sound in a in a very safe environment is more like 
uh, it has another feel to it, I think. And also with the power market, we did this project when this was uh, the power market didn't interest anyone in Norway because electricity was so cheap. So it was really something we took for granted and um, and didn't pay attention to at all. But then after both the uh, what's, the, the new cables and the um, war in Europe, then yeah. it became like the top news, news case, like the electrical market. And our press contact at Startnet has been so overworked that <laughs> uh, it really got a lot more to do. Yeah. So it's, it's strange how the uh, concept can kind of change without the concept changing, but uh, will all the surroundings and how how we view things uh, uh, this project especially are changed mm. and then there's the of course the obvious uh, relationship to the climate crisis and how that's affecting our uh, consumption use although it is funny what you say about the electricity prices here because i was uh was having a conversation with someone recently who was complaining that norwegians just always leave the lights on because they're always so they're just so used to you know electricity being free practically uh and now of course the uh, the discussion is very different. It's different, and it's so uh, luckily it's a wake up call because uh, we we have like wasting resources for so extremely long because we we just think have the thought of okay we have abundance we can just poof blow it all. It's it's like that and uh, that attitude is put on trial now. So I I, I really like that. Thanks so much to everyone for your ears. I guess I can give you a little postcard from Oslo these days, uh, which is that in the park across from my apartment, the kids who play there have drawn an extremely distraught looking face in the snow. I don't know what it means, uh, but I assume it's the Norwegian equivalent of a crop circle. At any rate, uh, thanks so much to the artists featured in this episode, as well as to everyone at SOFA for the use of their space. If you'd like to learn more about Jan Martin and Oystein, then you should visit their websites, which are respectively smordal.no, that's smordal.no, or uh, weilerodden.com, which is w-y-l-l-e-r-o-d-d-e-n.com. And you should absolutely buy and stream Craft Balance however you please. I'll see you all on the flip side.